New episode of Tranny Make Podcast. Colin and I went and saw the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody movie, so... Full of fucking jams. Uh, I mean... Absolutely full of jams. Freddie Mercury is the greatest frontman of all time. Fight me if you disagree. And this is such a jam, dude. Yeah, honestly, just the whole fucking movie is just full of jams. It's just jams, dude, yeah. for sure. Queen is full of jams. Yeah. Good episode today. We're going to talk, start talking about USA weightlifting, how they did it, the worlds. Mainly just, I mean, I'm kind of all worlds out, to be honest. But mainly, I think the future of USA weightlifting, but also weightlifting beyond Tokyo as an Olympic sport. Um, the implications of weightlifting no longer being an Olympic sport, which would be really funny because we, what are we going to call it if we can't call it Ollie lifting? We can't call it all Ollie lifting. You have, or to, li- you have to change the spelling of Ollie from O-L-Y to O-L-L-I-E. There we go. Or Oli Olympic. It's not Olympic lifting. Yeah. It's, we just saw an event that was a week and a half long. European weightlifting. And it was done at a world championships. Um, so first let's talk about United States, uh, only one medal won, and that was Matty Rogers, Matty Rogers, clean and jerk bronze bronze medal, clean and jerk. Um, And, and then uh, some other really good performances, but all in all, I'm honestly kind of disappointed. Um, I mean, I, I I don't know. I'm not necessarily disappointed. I think that this is, I think that, you know, kind of last world's last year's world's was you know, a little bit of a, a poor showing from the rest of the countries. Obviously, Russia wasn't there. China wasn't there. There were a lot of countries that weren't there, and I think that's why we had so many good placements uh, from U.S. lifters, as everyone basically said immediately after that Worlds. That it didn't um, count. That it, yeah, that it didn't matter. It wasn't a real Worlds, kind of that, all that, bullshit. you know, bullshit. And, I mean, to an extent, they're right. I mean, a large number of the field of the competitive people weren't there, and I think that this Worlds was absolutely competitive. It was, in fact, extremely competitive, um, and we still had some some good performances. People, you know, hit some PRs. They they went out and they hit lifts, and then some people obviously didn't hit lifts. And well, I think I think I said I was disap- I think I'm more disappointed because we didn't get the points that I think we should have. Or, and we didn't get the medals that we that I think we should have or could have. Yeah, I think that. You, you you have to expect guys to I, I think there was a thing now I don't know the points placement that that much, but yeah, I don't know you get a certain amount of points time. for Tokyo if you place a certain level. And yeah. that's kind of where the B session lifters have to make lifts and bump their way up past some some yeah, people in I, the A I, session. I wanna say it's like the top twenty, right? It's gotta be top twenty. It's either I think it's top twelve or top eighteen or something like that. Okay. That that Place get points towards Tokyo, so which is what I why I'm I'm yeah upset so yeah about so it. if if you know you're you're in a B session then you know you probably should be a, a bit more conservative and just make sure that you make lifts. Um, you know all of this is you know kind of really easy to say hindsight twenty twenty. You know I mean yeah. we don't know the situation the circumstances of what were necessarily going on um, injuries and and other kind of things in the back room that were going on. So, but I mean, so a couple of performances that I really liked 
Sarah Robles is at the top for me. Yeah. She went six for six. She, I'm p- pretty sure all time PRs. I, mean, I think all time PRs across the board for her. Yeah. And she um, tied the standard in the snatch and she broke the standard or the American standard in the clean and jerk. And, and she the got total, I believe. And the total. And she got fifth place, I think, behind the obviously Tatiana Kasharina, <coughs> Meng Su Ping, and then the woman from Thailand. So I believe she got fourth, fourth or I believe. fifth. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. I mean it oh, and then the DPRK woman is the other person. But the yeah. Thailand woman was kind of in the mix as well. And then we go on to Jenny Arthur. I think Jenny Arthur had a absolute stunning performance. I Jenny mean, she Arthur went, was great. She went 106, 135. Um, for fourth place, and I think she she tied for fourth place, or or took like a third her third clean and jerk maybe would have put her on the podium. Yeah, third. Uh, no, I sorry. Her third her third jerk would have beaten the Colombian, I believe. Yeah, something something like that. She was she was in the running for a for a podium for a total, spot, a total podium spot, which is phenomenal, especially um, these worlds. Yeah. Yeah. So so she's looking really hot. Uh, West Kitts, West Kitts. I want to talk about West because, you know, West Kitts going one for three in the snatch. Everyone, I'm sure everyone that was watching was like, you know, Ashkabat refs and jury, like he's going to bomb on clean jerks or something because his elbows traditionally are not very steady. And then for him to go three for three in the clean jerk hitting 222 was absolutely massive yeah i think that was that tied the american record standard i think um i think that was a a huge performance and i think confidence booster probably for him um you know to have a bad snatch day which is usually kind of his forte and then go through and show that he's actually really been attacking his weakness and it kind of paid off in a huge way in the in the jerk and the cleaning jerk in general harrison morris with sixth place finish in the total and he went, he went six for six. He went back and forth three times with uh, the Chinese junior uh, or Lee yeah Dayan. the Chinese junior for for clean and jerk world records, yeah. uh, which was fucking awesome to see. Just see it mm-hmm. get broken basically six times in a row. Uh, that was pretty huge. I I don't know. What do you know? His body weight? What he weighed in at? Not sure. I think uh, so. Harrison went six for six, 157, 200. That was awesome. CJ did, he went five for six, had the opportunity to do some damage, at least in the clean and jerk. Yeah, did Um, a 186 youth world record clean and jerk. Um, Or junior. Was it junior? Yeah, junior. Oh, was it junior? He's a junior. Yeah, junior world record. 187. 187, 335 total, which was fucking huge. And nice, got, nice to see him making jerks again. And that put him in 10th place. Yeah. And then, um, you know, the, the only thing, I don't want to talk about the B sessioners, but I think that if you're in the B session, it's nice if you can go six for six and get more points. But it, it, this will lead us into the main topic of the discussion because points don't really, really matter that much anymore because um, the IOC basically slammed us and let me pull up the article real quick. Um, so basically, I'm just going to read this. Uh, first thing, the IOC drastically reduced the number of weightlifters that will be competing in the 2020 Olympic Games in Tokyo. Weightlifting got um, 260 athlete spots at the 2016 Games. 
but we're only getting 196. They basically chopped us down by 25%. And then also uh, within a few days of saying that, the IOC made a second announcement. They're um, telling the IWF until December of 2017. So that's already happened. Yeah. Uh, to deliver a satisfactory report on how the IWF will address the massive doping problem this sport is facing. This report will be a large determining factor on whether weightlifting continues as an Olympic sport into 2024 and beyond. Now, the I, I brought this up in my review of the World Weightlifting Championships in the ba- in the past episode. And I talked about doping and I think people were kind of like somewhat caught off guard with with how frank and just how out there I am. Like this guy's off his drugs. That's why he sucks. Like if you're Alexander Zayachikov, you go 185, 230, and then you come back two years later and you go 165, 195, you're off your drugs. And the thing is, is like if, if the IWF has to prove to the IOC that we're doing something, that means they're going to test and blood test everyone. Yeah. And so if you're... And it's a, not even necessarily like post-competition. Like every, that's, Whenever that's, you step through the you, fucking doors. Yeah. Yes. I, I assume that probably every team like that's worth testing or probably just every team got to the training hall or got you know into, into the World Weightlifting Championship Village... And immediately got tested. So there we is, already know that Yeast and Lopez got popped. Yeah, in there, um, in twenty twenty. So in in twenty fifteen, there was twenty four out of two hundred that were uh, popped, and so that means we know that there's at least two hundred people. And prop that was twenty fifteen. So going forward, there's got to be at least two hundred. Yeah. So I'd imagine maybe three hundred athletes. Yeah. I mean, the odds of going in into Ashgabat and getting tested are. Really Super high. Super fucking high. Really I, high. I wouldn't be surprised if they if they didn't like drug test the the top placements in the B session and every person in the A sessions. Like post yeah. like like I I really with how kind of serious this situation is at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if if pretty much every person got tested if you were in an A session. And probably someone that was there. Uh, could probably tell us more about that if if they have, you know, personal experience with seeing everyone get tested and stuff like that. But I, this is an interesting, uh, yeah. So so there's a take people being like, screw the Olympics, kick us out, we don't need them. And so, this the, the argument here is like he said, who's who's this Matt Foreman? Yeah, Matt Foreman. So his argument is like that's a dumb take. And I agree with that because yeah. for the, for the simple reason that uh, powerlifting is decimated, yeah. and it's and the okay, so this is why powerlifting is decimated. So if you and I, I use David, the owner of Brazos Valley, as an example. He just won Raw Nationals, and Raw Nationals is very intense. You get tested a lot. The Raw you know, Nationals is basically um, kind of to a point like bigger than than worlds for for the so that's I, so that's IPF. what i'm trying to say is yeah. like, so that's, that's what i'm trying to say is like so the the um you know raw nationals is really intense there's no money anywhere you don't get paid anyone no one gets paid anything you have to fund your own trips everywhere when you go to ipf worlds you have this not as competitive kind of 
sloppier version or not sloppier, but it's like, it's not as important Yeah. where in, so that's the equivalent here. Like we have a very, very intense national system. That's wildly fun. It's awesome. Like the AO series, the AO, the nationals, it's all really great. But if you take the Olympics out of it, you now have teams that will not have a system in place. Yeah. What yeah, what good, what good, is the purpose goodbye, of goodbye seeing like the Sarab Maradis or the Ilya Illins or any anyone that basically grows up or China? Or, I mean, why why would China have like they, they basically all these countries that that fund you know weightlifting programs to go to the Olympics to do well at the Olympics to basically kind of show how much socioeconomic power that they have any like geopolitical power which is kind of why all of this funding exists and why the the olympics is so important to you know these these countries and doing well in the olympics is important to these countries as soon as that that you know sport is out of the olympics then what's the point there's no to motivation yeah. to throw money at it and, and then and these then people you know, don't have money to do that down the shit you know like the, it just the, these people don't have the money to be like i'm gonna weightlift for fun and then i'm gonna like yeah do it as my job or i'm gonna have people to fun like you know what's fucking crazy is in in britain there is no more funding for their weightlifting team they're like Anyone. hey you want to put together an olympic team cool uh do that have fun Go do that. Yeah. They have... British weightlifting is still around and they're still like a presence. But, you know, you want to go to Worlds? Great. Find a way. Yeah. You want to... You start a Kickstarter, kid. Like, that's insane. That sort of shit does not exist in China. No. Doesn't exist in Russia. There isn't just like... And also like like, uh, recreational... That's what... That's basically Recreational sports don't exist in these countries. Well, they do, but they're just not... They do, but not at the level that that the US has them. Yes. You know, like like for for me and even Zach, you know, like I I just qualified for my first national championships and and like I'm going to go to nationals in 2019, but if I was living in another country, like... You know, nationals is reserved for the people elite that, athletes. And like the anyone that in my are gonna weight go, class is going to do one sixty. You know, one ninety. Yeah. There's no way if if you know that was the kind of system that we had that I would be going to nationals. It's it's just a totally different culture. I wonder what kind of world it's going to be like when that happens. Because right now, I I, 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 I put it at a fifty fifty. I put it yeah. at a fifty fifty chance yeah. that there will be. Weightlifting in the Paris Olympics 2024. Yeah. 50-50. 50% chance that Olympic weightlifting and, and will you know, no longer you know be able to call. Happen? I'm I'm gonna if if we don't, I think it's gonna go the exact route the powerlifting is. And here's here's basically how powerlifting is. There's there's one, maybe two dominant federations, right? You have USAPL and you have USPA. So and there's also a million other smaller federations that mm-hmm. all have their own yeah. rules. So, so if, if weightlifting gets out of the Olympics, then, you know, we can potentially still have USAW around, but it may kind of dissolve into nothing. And you're going to have stuff like the American Weightlifting Federation show up with John North, and you're going to have the Texas Weightlifting Federation and the Florida Weightlifting Federation and all of these kind of state and, and smaller federations that all kind of, you know, maybe there's one big national championships and... The person that wins national championships gets to go to worlds, and if you win national champion, 
And if you win nationals, then you pretty much just won worlds too. Because the other countries are going to pull out. They're not going to fucking send people to worlds because it's not important to them. You know, that's, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Well, you don't have a youth. So that's the thing is like, there are sponsored government sponsored programs for youth to grow up and, and be weightlifters. Yeah. That will never exist no. on the level it has before. This is not possible. So <coughs> who knows? I mean, we have all of all of our weightlifters did not start as youth. All of them. Pretty much all of our elite ones. You know, we with the exception of Jordan Dela Cruz and uh Jordan, CJ Harrison. Yeah. They're you know. fantastic. But like if you think about Maddie she yeah. was a hobbyist who got good. Wes, hobbyist who got good. Jess you know, Lucero. All of them. I Jess mean, Lucero's like, actually been lifting since she was a kid, but only recently in the last kind of like three or four years has she started to like really flourish and, and start to to be really competitive. Um, but ex- like you're exactly right. You know, it's just like people that have been doing other sports and then either, you know, get injured or graduate or going to get pushed out of the other sports find weightlifting or, or CrossFit or something and they just kind of go with it from there but that's I don't know I, don't I know also it's gonna go dude you know it's gonna be um what was pretty funny I talked to Greg from all things gym I told you about this before but he was saying the uh Gregor is the guy who he's all things gym he is that's him and he goes and he shoots all these awesome videos thank god for him it's great um, so I'm pretty close with him and he was saying, and I was like, how's Ashgabat? Cause I was, I wanted to go and he was like, oh man, it's amazing. This is an actual world championships. When we were in Anaheim, it was like, you could tell there wasn't enough funding put together because in Anaheim, it was just kind of those like wooden grandstands that kind of come up off the ground. Yeah. It was actually pretty depressing. Yeah. Um, and in Ashgabat, it was in an arena. And so Ashgabat or Turkmenistan, I'm not incredibly well versed, but a lot of the, the Stan countries, Kazakhstan, uh, Turkmenistan and, and so on and so forth. They have kind of corrupt leaders like oligarchs and oil money that will like throw money at certain things. And This was definitely one of them. It was like a way for them to kind of flex. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. It's like it's, you know, flexing and, and showing your geopolitical power. Which is also like, funny because there was a ton of corruption too. The Turkmenist or Turkmen, that's a, that that's the plural for Turk people from Turkmenistan, you call them Turkmen. Turkmen. That's hilarious. Interesting. Uh they were some Gen Z's supposed just got to be triggered, they were dude. supposed to be not uh, there were certain people that were affected from doping control that were allowed to n- compete or they, okay. They didn't complete their whereabouts test. Yeah. Tests. Yeah. And yeah. then another person was a coach who, I mean, it, serving a band yes. and was labeled as the, the head, the head coach of the Turkmenistan weightlifting, but team. they let them play. Yeah. Right. So the corruption is vast and it's just, it's really weird. I feel like, it, okay, in order to be a weightlifter in America who dopes, there isn't much corruption involved. You find some steroids online, you shoot yourself up, or you have your homie do it, and 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 you either you either get popped or you don't. But there's no system in place. This is why I think it's funny when we say systematic doping, like it's such a 
it's such a hot term to say systematic doping. Yeah. If you're if your team is doping, it's not like you're buying it. It's not yeah. if you're in Kazakhstan or Russia, those guys aren't buying the Senazlov. Yeah, it's, it's not like like Opti like walks out onto the fucking street and he finds his up drugs, his, calls up his buddy and he's like, "Hey man, like cuz that's you what got we do in the Stenazlo? states." Like, yeah. No, they fucking do that. The the yeah. coach or some fucking assistant coach goes out or their and their pharmacologist. Yeah, the, their whatever. pharmacologist probably orders shit from China who makes very high quality steroids that they aren't supposed to make anymore, that they used to make publicly, but now they make privately, and they fucking order high-quality steroids from, from China, usually. Yeah. And and then they fucking walk out, and they say, okay, you know, their pharmacologist looks at their body weight and this and that, and says, okay, you're taking... This is your, your regimen, and yeah. when you come in every that's morning... That's systematic in this. a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, it's like they have someone else that is telling them, this is what you're going to take, and if you don't want to take it, Pack your shit, get the fuck out, go find another job. Yeah, and that's so that's when it's funny. I, we were we were talking about when when they get when they get popped. It's like what you know what happens. Their coaches obviously. It's 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 interesting that the coaches don't really get any repercussions. Well, now they do. Do they now? Okay, because yeah. I, I know it's like pretty much the athlete. Just like you know, in the past, it's been okay. You know, goodbye next, for next four one, years. Have have fun, and then come back. Four in. years of, of no income, like. But yeah, I guess I, I don't know what happens with the coaches and the team now with when people start getting popped. But also, recent news: they're doing retests on yeah, twenty twelve, which is really fucking scary. Um, we so, don't want some guys to get pops. Yeah. I don't want uh, certain certain guys. I'm not gonna say, but yeah, I, I'm not gonna say. We're not gonna name names until everything is. I wish they would just leave out, it alone. Yeah, I wish they would just leave them alone. Leave the B samples. Let's burn them, <laughs> throw them away. Uh, let's move our t- discussion a little bit. I want to talk about training, and so, uh, just a couple things that have come come up in my training. Uh, I was injured, and it sucked, and I think. What's interesting about injuries is your approach should always be like that there's money in the bank somewhere and that if you take the time off and rest that you'll be okay. And I think that's a really hard thing to do because I mean I was it's last week I was definitely hard to do. La- last week I was a week out or sorry a month a month out. It was officially 1 month out and I guess my rib sublexed or something like that. That's what the the doctor yeah. said. And I couldn't do anything. Like, I just couldn't do anything. So I took five days off. I came back, started snatching light, and then just have worked my way back. There was a point there where I was like, you know what? I'm injured. Fuck it. I'm out. I'm done. I'm not doing the, the AO final. I'm just not going to do it. And the, <coughs> but, but I was like, well, what, would it, what difference would it make if I just didn't say that I'm out and just like waited and just kept working and kept seeing? Yeah. And I feel like yeah. most injuries... If, especially if you have competition coming up, most injuries you can do that. I had an athlete who had a, had an elbow problem, uh, and it was really bad, really bad. Like he couldn't hold the front rack, and I was like, you know what? Let's do pulls. Let's do squats. You can snatch. You can do overhead squats. You can do jerks from the back rack. Let's just do that all the way up to your competition. He went to his. He had already paid for it. The competition. He went to his competition. He snatched a PR, and then he couldn't hold a front rack 
without being in excruciating pain. So he just dropped out. Yeah. And he's like, thanks for doing that. Thanks for yeah. like pushing me. And now we're on to the next meet. Yeah. And I think it, it comes down to, <coughs> to again, kind of having, having coaching and, and knowing your athletes and, and knowing yourself. Cause like in a really good example of this is, is our friend Braylon, who's a exceptional 400 meter runner. And, and like, he's the kind of person and you're this kind of person as well that like, they just want to go like you, they just need to like fucking work out really hard and like push things to the limit. Um, and they'll, they'll push past injuries and they'll feel good and this and that. And, and it's like, it's just a, it's a thing when you have that kind of motion and that drive as a coach, you, you need to usually kind of rein those people in, especially if they're injured because they're gonna, they're gonna walk into the gym and they're going to be like, Hey, like, I know this, this, you know, this happened last training session. It's still kind of bothering me, but we're going to see what happens. And they, they go to something and it gets worse. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, as a coach, it's kind of your job to, to basically be like, look, this, this happened. It's been bothering you for this many days. We're going to go really fucking light today. And, and usually my kind of rule of thumb for my athletes, I have a guy that's recovering from really bad bursitis uh, and like IT band syndrome for, for at the moment. Um, but like usually my diagnosis and my rule of thumb for my athletes, if they have some kind of injury is, is as long as it took you to feel better, right? Say you were, you were injured, how long it took you to, to start feeling better and start feeling back to normal. So say it took two weeks mm-hmm. is about how long it should take you to get back to working weight. Because everyone, fucking everyone does this where they start to feel better, they jump right back into training, and boom, it's worse. Yeah. And they, they make it worse or they get re-injured or something like that happens. And and so as a uh, coach, it's really important to make sure you you rein those people back in and make sure that they kind of look at the, the long term. Well, it's always about people are always trying to <coughs> hedge their bets. Yeah. So if you think that you're feeling good, you jump into training. Well, everyone wants to train to their competition best before competition because yeah. they want to f- they want to secure yeah. their results. Yeah. And the thing is, when I came back, I was excited to snatch 70 kilos. I was excited to snatch 100 kilos. I was mm-hmm. excited to even clean and jerk because I was in pain every time I was pulling the bar off the floor. And I was excited to do those things. And I just was like, well, I'm not going to not do it. I feel okay doing that. So yeah. I'm just going to keep coming in and doing that and doing that and doing that. Yeah. So that was my mindset going into where my mindset could have been is like, I'm not a hundred percent. I'm four weeks out. This is going to be stupid. And yeah, so no, that's definitely there's not always, the right. Yeah. The, but there's always, you know, the, there's <coughs> a million different injuries and there's a million different ways to attack those injuries. Yeah. But you need to, you, you need to think if it's not going to hurt you anymore, if it's not going to injure you anymore, yeah. you can do it you, you and you'll be it. fine. And odds are it can actually help you. Quinn yeah. Hennick said, if weightlifting is what we're doing, then weightlifting is the therapy. And I believe that. I believe that if you, you know, if you can snatch pain-free at 50 kilos, let's make your positions great and awesome. Yeah, and exactly. then maybe next week we'll go 52 kilos. I don't know. But like, yeah. at least we're moving and at least we're in here. Exactly. As long as you can move pain-free. And, and you can do something. You can do something. And, and we're kind of where this, you know, this theory that in the rule of thumb that I use changes a big, a big amount is when you're close to competition, like you are. Right. So I wouldn't say like, oh, it took you a week to feel better. Like, 
we're gonna or it took you two weeks from like injury to when you started to feel better. I'm not gonna make you, you know, basically kind of taper back up for two weeks necessarily. We have to if you're still wanting to push the the envelope and push for for numbers, then you know that kind of time has to be accelerated. But it's also up to you to make sure you're doing all of the right things outside of the gym to make that possible. And I know you've you've been a chiropractor and you've gotten, you know, body work and stuff like that. And that stuff Yeah, is, and I want to is, talk is about especially, that. Especially, especially super fucking important. If you have an injury or anything that's nagging and you're close to competition, you need to feel as good as possible to do as well as possible. And and that stuff is is really like you can't be a high level athlete without it. Like yeah, you really so you really can't. My when I saw the the PT or it was actually just it was, it was a doctor. A yeah. No, when the first person I saw was a doctor, he's like you've probably most likely what we call sublexed rib, but it's usually when you like strain the intercostals and some stuff moves around and your body's really angry at you. And the, the last thing he said is like, you're a perfect candidate to go see a chiropractor for recovery methods, like cupping, all these different things. You are the perfect candidate for it. And I never really did it. And so I went and they did a lot of soft, soft tissue work. And then and like the, the adjustment was at the end. I mean, that was cool, but like they did a ton of stuff beforehand. Yeah. And it, that's something too, like when you see the, the Chinese, um, always like getting soft tissue work before like their teammates will literally stand on them. And then the same thing, the Russians, they're always doing that stuff. That sort of stuff is usually mandatory for them. Yeah. And so that's like not even really a recovery method. That's like work. It's the same amount. Yeah. It's, it's, it's part of their, their mandated Another warm up and cool down. And hydration, dude. I was, I was always dehydrated. And they were saying one of the biggest factors in muscle strains is dehydration your the fluidity of the joints and the muscles are way less and especially if you're tight so i was in like a pretty big training block and all my muscles were tight fatigued and tight and, and then now you drain them of water and you take you know a rubber band you take the you, it's like anything if it's yeah. not there's no fluid in it it's not good yeah and so you know that was a big mistake. I just I didn't drink enough water. I was training really hard, and I got a really bad strain. And so I'm recovering. I'm I'm drinking a lot of water. You know I'm not changing like my diet, doing anything drastic like that. Just getting some soft tissue work. It's like it was. It's kind of like a no brainer. So I'm gonna go in a couple more times. Yeah. And, and hopefully. Yeah. And and even me like I've in the past I've usually go about once a month to get either usually needling done or like soft tissue work. I usually have lots of problems with my, my quads and my knees because my quads are much stronger than my hamstrings are. And when I squat and do all of these things, it just puts a lot more stress on, um, on like my quad tendons. And so I usually mm -hmm. about once a month go in and see, um, my, my person that does all of my body work for me. But leading up into into AO3, I was having some issues with my quads, and it basically came to the point where I was like, if I'm going to train the way that I want to train and the way I know I need to train, I need to go every week. And I went every yeah. single week, uh, every usually every Thursday before my heavy sessions on Friday, and like in, in the Instagram post post uh, AO3, I even kind of talked about it. But like I would say that was every bit 
as important, if not more important than every training session that I did, because yeah. without that, I wouldn't have been able to train. Yeah, I, I physically sure. couldn't. And before that I hadn't squatted. Um, I hadn't squatted in about six weeks because I was trying to let my legs and my, my tendons heal and, and basically start to feel better. And they just, they weren't feeling better. And yeah. So it was either a decision of, all right, I'm going to invest in, in myself, my recovery, or I'm not going to do AO3 and I'm going to take six weeks off of like basically doing nothing, um, to, to let my body fully recover and, and kind of heal on its own rather than having any external factors. And I ended up having a really, really good training block and was able to push really hard and, mm -hmm. and actually felt healthier post AO3 than I have felt in a long time post post me. I usually feel fucked up after uh -huh. after national competitions, whether it's university nationals or or anything else, I'm usually totally trashed by the end of yeah. it. Yeah. I think so another you know, something to focus on out there if you're training, know that if you are grinding on if you're really grinding on reps and anything, whether it's snatch, clean and jerk, squat, pulls, know that it's going to be very hard to taper or, or to, to kind of decay stimulus so that you get super compensation. So the, the very idea behind the theory of super compensation is that you provide this uh, stimulus that's overloading and progressive in nature. And then what you do is you take away you, d you slowly but surely decay that and hopefully your body responds in a super compensatory way. And when you start to move slow and when you start to grind things, that process is much, much harder to do. And then now we throw you on a competitive platform and you don't do what you wanted to do or you don't do what you expected to do. That happens all too often. And so some, some things that you can focus on when you're squatting, Think of it as an accessory, especially if you're, you know, not really in a competitive mood or, or driving part of your mesocycle. Think of the squat like here's my set of five. I'm just going to go up and down and up and down. I'm going to feel my quads working like be a bodybuilder, be a yeah. control, make it your weight that you're just moving up and down. And I promise you that when we want to decay stimulus that you will supercompensate larger than you ever could much more than you ever could before. I mean, a perfect example of that is I did not touch 80% for four weeks with max. And then I PR'd my front squat and I PR'd my jerk and I yeah. PR'd my deadlift without even hinting at a super compensation. Yeah. Right. And if, if he was to slam me with singles at 90 and 90 plus percent, well, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. It wouldn't have happened like that. Yeah. He basically right now going up to the AO, what we're trying to do is like have intense days and non-intense days. Yeah. So that on your intense days you can move fast. You so that you you so you do take, well. Yeah. Yeah. If if we're grinding at ninety percent, odds are you didn't recover beforehand. Yeah. So the idea is not only do you peak and valley your mesocycle, like you load load, then you come down and you you supercompensate. Well, you can peak and valley intensity if we're speaking about intensity you can peak and valley the microcycle yeah within the week monday you go crazy hard 
Tuesday, you might switch it up and do powers. Wednesday might be recovery day where you do some light snatches, you do some bodybuilding, whatever. Thursday, you come in and you do, you know, maybe some accessory stuff. And then Friday, you have a big Friday. Yeah. And now we can hit 90%. Before that, we were treating these other days. That's another thing. Mentally, if you have a squat day and it's three by five at 80%, odds are you're going to be like, uh, okay, unrack 80%. Nice, easy breaths, use my quad. But that's a lot of load. Yeah. You know, an 80%, yeah, 80% squat. 80% for five is... What, what, what's If your best back squat that you've ever done, you probably have the potential to do somewhere around 230, but you did yeah. 220. I did, I did 220. That was pretty <coughs> maximum. So, so. so what's uh, 80% of that? I mean, if we did it... Uh, 180? Something like that, which is... Okay. Well, let's see. Pull yeah. out the old calculator, baby. times... So 176. Okay, so so if so, we're treating 176 like it's a, so, a walk so in the park. Just a just a you know reference here of what my best my best five rep max is 182. Okay, right. and granted that was a little while ago, but but my best five rep max is 182. So doing three sets of five at 176 would be a grueling fucking squat workout. But here's the thing for me. I've done three by five. I mean, if you get in the groove where it's like, oh, three by five at 80% or maybe even less, three by five at 75%. You know, what's that line where it's like, okay, I've done this so many times, this cycle. Like in a four-week cycle, you're doing fives, three by fives, whatever. There's also also another thing that that probably plays into this. I know, again, the guy that owns Brass Valley Barbell, David Wilson, has kind of talked about this, that, that, you know, doing... Doing one rep maxes is a skill, right? Doing three rep maxes is a skill and five rep maxes is a skill. They're all, they all have their own kind of, uh, you know, properties that go along with them. And that it's not necessarily that, that you know, in like a super compensation kind of way where, where you, you load, load, deload, super compensation, mm-hmm. right? He would, there's a, a way of thinking in powerlifting that's not necessarily like, it's not that you it's not that you loaded heavier and heavier your fives every time. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that you had four or five sessions of fives and you're just better at doing fives. Yeah, but you're also, you know, you're, you're, like there, there is absolutely is super compensation but no, but in the, there. But like, I, I think that, you know, you adapt to how you train. And so, so originally starting off doing three sets of five at 80% might be really fucking hard. But if you do, you know, Three sets of five at 75, three sets of five at 80. That one's pretty hard. Then you drop down three sets of five at at 60 or something like that. And then you come back and you do three sets of five at 88 or, you know, something like that, you know, whatever. Then that that last workout might actually be the easiest workout because you're just better at doing fives than you're used to doing fives. What I'm saying, Colin, is like... What regardless of what it is, if the if the process of loading over the course of four weeks is so is such that you don't even know it, like you don't even know that you're acquiring stimulus because you're because you're so in tune with just unrack. Like for me, a one seventy barbell, I unrack it. I can do a set of five, kind of without like really, like I can get myself yeah, jacked up, yeah. but I know I'm gonna get it. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. Because what percentage of my clean is that? Like I'm I'm pushing I'm not just like set grind, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm like up down, up down in and it's like yeah. the more that the in my opinion the longer that you can do stuff like that, 
and then kind of get into the maximal shit. Yeah. The better. Yeah. Cause my I, thing I is think just like it's you know it's just acquiring training stimulus. You know it's but it's such a lull and yeah. the, the the idea that you're getting not just these three sets of fives in today, but you could get you know ten to fifteen to twenty sets of five in one four week block. Yeah. And they're all of them kind of feel just annoying. Yeah. They're not like you're have to slap yourself in the face, get the nose torque yeah. and unrack and grind. And, and I, I actually, I absolutely agree with that. And I, that, it's yeah. Just and this I, fu- it's this lull annoying. Yeah. But you're, and it starts, it honestly starts with these control. I, I'm like, I literally tell my guys, uh, be a bodybuilder. Yeah. Be a bodybuilder. Like just go for Feel the quad it. pump, yeah. dude. You know, like don't just grind these things out. Cause we can't, we don't have anywhere to go from yeah. there. And um, I, I, I've kind of... Unless we jack you up with D-ball and have you yeah. do three, four sessions a day. Yeah, exactly. And we just go Bulgarian yeah. with it. And that's... Uh, I, I think that you've probably seen this with, with my training in the last... You know, the last kind of two competitions that I've gone through where I've seen huge increases in my total in the last two... Uh, the last two competitions that I've done. Mm-hmm. But the training that I've done leading up to those between... Usually I go like six months... I do a competition every six months. The three months after I lift for that first competition leading into the next one is basically like kind of fuck around, honestly. Like I, I go in the gym and I have my programming and I do my programming, but none of it is ever really maximal. It's never really yeah. grindy. Like I have, if I have eight, re- like fucking today I did a 10 rep max back squat. My best eight rep max is 170. I did a 10 rep max back squat today at 140. And honestly, it felt pretty fucking hard, but looked really fucking easy. You know, but it's like, it just wasn't meant to be maximal. And if I sit there and I grind, you know, a 160 or something that's absolutely just crushes me, then like it, it what's the point? Yeah, no, you that's know, what I'm saying. What's the point? It I've doesn't, always it said doesn't it, make any sense. This is the glory of all of this. That is nowhere near as effective as three sets of 140. If you were to do one set of 160 and get your ass fried or three sets of 140 and be like, that was really, really annoying. I don't, I hate that. That's exactly what it was. That is better. Of 140 and then three drop sets of eight at 125. And like, I got my fucking quad pump and it was annoying. Yeah. And then I went on and I did my pulls and, yep. and, and you know, it. and it was like everything that I do pretty much is, it has a percentage base to it, but even like the snatches and the clean and jerks and anything else that I do is all kind of based around how I feel at the moment. If I feel good, okay, I'll go a little heavier and I'll, and I'll push the, push yeah. the envelope a little bit. If I don't feel good, there's no reason to grind out you know, an 85% clean and jerk and possibly miss it. You know, like there's, there's no reason for it. If I don't feel it's not like gonna, it, it's not going to be a it's, stimulative. It's gonna, yeah. As... It's not going to help me. It's, it could potentially hurt me, but it's certainly not going to help me at that point. Like you, you really have to listen to your body and know when is appropriate to really push and when it's appropriate to, you know, just kind of train for a little bit and, and build up some momentum going into what are going to be, the more important sessions that you're going to do later, later on in the in the the macro cycle and closer into competition. Yeah, that's all we got for today. Uh, Colin, do you want to share your goals and aspirations? Three goals in three sentences. Three goals in three sentences, yeah. or just three goals? 
Each one of them has to be a sentence. Ready? Do go. They, do they have to be regarding weightlifting? No. Um. Be as good of a man as my father. Total 300. What's your third? Make my mom proud. Woo! My three are qualify for nationals. Enjoy every day like it's your last. And, um, you know what? I want to lose some body fat and also qualify for nationals in a different weight class. You fatty. Another one bites the dust. That's it. We're done. Thanks, guys.